last Jedi! Skywalker. To the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. This is Josiah, and I have a special guest on. I think this is your second time on the show. I think so, um, yeah, second. I know we've had, I had you on once for a, a Book of Boba. Uh, I don't think it was a review. I think it was a, was it a review? Or was it, it was one of the 30 of Days episode, of Boba? Episode one, I think it was a review of. yeah. Man, that feels like so long ago. Right. Um, but I've got my buddy Finn Clay on, also known as Findor Moon on Instagram. If you are a Star Wars fan, uh, you have to follow this guy. And uh, today, we've got a very special episode for you guys. This is episode 80 of the Chista Sinensi podcast. And today, Whoa. we are saying all hail to the queen, Miss Ray Skywalker herself. Today's episode is dedicated to Ray. But before we get into that, We've got some news. So some news uh, that's been going on. Uh, as of this recording, uh, we're recording April 12th. This might be out the 13th or so. Um, but as of April 12th yesterday, April 11th, was five years uh, since the uh, the publishing of the Thrawn novel by Timothy Zahn that that can that brought Thrawn back into the uh, the canon novelization fold, and so obviously we know Thrawn's heir to the Empire trilogy is iconic. It's it's definitely one of the reasons Star Wars is still around today. It has a very special place in our heart here at the Chiss Ascendancy. Um, but five years ago today, Thrawn. Um, I think that Rebels had come out already, and he was in that. Mm-hmm. But this was the first novel that he was back in um, by Timothy Zahn, who uh, I don't – maybe people who have heard the podcast don't know this, but Thrawn was not a character that pre was pre-existing, and, and Zahn, um, you know, made a book on this guy. He created mm-hmm. the character. And so he's an original character by Mr. Timothy Zahn. And so we want to celebrate five years of Thrawn being back in the canon, the novels, uh, 
you know, timeline, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we have a pretty cool quote here, Finn. Um, before uh-huh. we get into this quote from from Zahn that he posted yesterday, I wanted to ask you, I know you are a Star Wars book connoisseur as well as an action figure collector. Have you read that uh, Thrawn trilogy from um, <laughs> from the uh, from the Imperial era? Oh, gosh. Um, I have read the first two. Uh, I have okay. not read the last one. So but, you've yeah, read I've so Thrawn, the self-titled album, and then and then Treason, or not Treason, but Alliances, and then you've Alliance. you've got Treason to go. Yeah, yeah. So I've got the first two, and then yeah, Treason. Yeah, Treason is the last one. Beautiful. So. Alliances was a really fun one too because you get some of that back and forth forth flashbacks. Um, oh yeah, and you know it's it's cool because there's the. Um, there's the current timeline and it's in the Imperial era with Thrawn and Vader. And then, um, this, some might consider this a a spoiler, but it's common knowledge. The, um, the other timeline is when Thrawn first meets Darth Vader, AKA Anakin Skywalker during the clone wars. Oh yeah. And, uh, so that's really cool as a book collector, like a novel collector. Um, one that's always gotten away from me is the San Diego comic-con, cover of that yeah because the 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 legitimate cover that comes out that's widespread is thrawn and vader you know kind of posed Mm -hmm. up you know next to each other alliances you know they're working together uh but the comic-con alternate cover was the same pose but you get a younger mithron uodo and anakin skywalker during the clone wars um so dude that's on my bucket list it's it's a really cool look Um, so real quick, we'll get into, uh, we'll read this quote from Mr. Zahn, because this is actually something we've talked about. This is something that's been on the podcast, something that me and you have talked about, um, on personal, you know, messages talking about Thrawn and, and the new canon Thrawn and what we think about him. So this is a pretty cool thing that obviously Timothy Zahn's heard and, and, uh, so he's speaking on. So it says, uh, one of the biggest questions and concerns I've heard over the past few months is whether the Thrawn of the new book is the same in quote as the Thrawn from the original 1990s trilogy. The answer is yes, but in the sense that you and I are the same people we were 10 or 15 years ago, most of us have changed at least somewhat over that time. We've become calmer, more confident or wiser, or possibly less patient brooding or prone to take risks. The circumstances that swirl around and interweave our lives also change over time, influencing us, even as we influence them. So yes, this is still Thrawn, but a period of his life where we haven't yet seen him. I hope you enjoy reading this latest part of his saga as much as I enjoyed writing it. And uh, so I think that's a really, uh, a really clever way of explaining the Mm -hmm. Thrawn that we knew from the nineties could even potentially exist if that makes sense like that that style of character that who he becomes could exist in the future of canon that's that's now going on we haven't visited that far in the future as the heir of the empire trilogy with thrawn um so it's really interesting and it's been a lot of people have been saying between the mando verse and ahsoka and all these things maybe we're pointing to thrawn in the end um and so it's really interesting to see that he's like the story is not over yet for this younger Thrawn that we think is a little bit more, a little bit more, um, you know, seems to be a little bit more 
loving and a little bit more like dupable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but we'll see. We'll see. So that's really cool. Yeah. Five years, five it's years wild. since Thrawn was, I can't believe it's been that long. I, what I'm so blown away by is that, um, you know, it, it definitely seems like Disney star Wars right now in the Mandoverse is slowly piecing together. Like, the Disney version of the heir to the empire kind of story yeah. where it's, it parallels in a lot of areas. It borrows bits and pieces here and there, and it's kind of piecing together its own big thing with Thrawn seemingly at the center as the big villain right. that's to be revealed, um, which is so just wild <laughs> to me that, um, that we're getting that, you know, that it seems like that's what oh, it's yeah. building to. I have a feeling that the Ahsoka series is going to give us a lot of information and uh, help us to understand kind of what this is going to look like. I think so, too. And I think that um, just when I'm at work and I can't focus because I'm thinking about Thrawn, as we all are apt to do, um, (laughs) I, I always wonder, like, what has it been like for Thrawn spending so much time with Ezra? Does he... You know, Ezra, as he gets – a lot of people remember Ezra from season one, and they're like, oh, my God, that's just an annoying brat, this this dumb kid. <laughs> but by the end of season four, I mean, like, he's been in the world between worlds. He's seen Kanan die. He's seen all these crazy things. He's matured. He's led, um, you know, one of the first rebellions against the Empire that succeeded when it comes to Lothal. Yeah. And so he's a mature young man. Like, he's he, – there's – He's seen a lot of life. He's seen way more life than we probably give him credit for um, just because early Ezra is kind of an annoying kid. Uh, But it makes me wonder, like, right, exactly. Ahsoka was like this hated (laughs) character when she first came out in the Clone Wars movie. um, And now she's everybody's favorite. Speaking of which, I found a Black Series Ahsoka at Walgreens recently. Oh, yeah. And they couldn't ring it up, I guess, because it wasn't a system. And they're like, "Uh, nine bucks. And so that was a steal. Uh, But... It makes it makes me wonder, like all this time Ezra spends with Thrawn. Thrawn is, I would say, the character of Thrawn in the new canon seems to have a lot more empathy for the people around him, a lot more care. And it makes me wonder if, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, but I wonder if Thrawn will end up somehow helping Ezra, as long as it doesn't, you know, do something against the Chiss. You know, like who knows. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for what's going to happen. Um, a crazy theory that I don't think will pan out, but it's fun to, you know, theories are fun to imagine until we're proved wrong. Yes. But, um, you know, Christopher Lloyd was was uh, was cast for Mandalorian season three. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> one crazy theory that I heard was what if that's Jeruus uh, Sabaoth? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I heard that. He's theory the crazy. Like, I'm just imagining the Christopher Lloyd. You know, doing the yeah. like the the, the, air the, the crazy power. hands. <laughs> he got like, the, the light pointing out of his fingers and stuff. Yeah, oh that's what's God. so crazy. When I first when because he's so dominant on that first cover. Before I knew who Thrawn was, I was like, so this book's about this crazy old white guy. I and Thrawn's just like this big on the front cover. You have no clue who he is. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I think that we have a lot of Thrawn ahead of us. Which um, obviously for for a podcast named the Chiss Ascendancy, that's exciting for us. Oh, yeah. Um, so next in news 
is uh, Lego Star Wars. The Skywalker saga has been out for a little bit now, um, been out for about a week. Uh, have you are you have you played it? Do you intend to play it? Are you a gamer? Uh, I am. I am into Star Wars gaming. Yes. And I want to play this very, very badly. I was really hoping that they were going to put it on Xbox Game Pass. So because I pay it's a month. I do a monthly subscription for that. To have right, right. Different games. And I was like, oh, man. Heck yeah, because they put game like new games on there and stuff. Yeah, and I was really hoping to have access to it, but they didn't put it on there, and so I was like, "Oh, oh. no!" So I have not <laughs> played it yet because now I'm trying to figure out. Okay, math. How, how do I figure out how how am I gonna get this game in a timely manner? <laughs> so I can right, it. right. <clears throat> yeah, I've now uh... that I know that Mr. Bones is a playable character. Dude. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to put that in, in my notes and I totally forgot one thing that's really cool for those of you who are, uh, gamers, love star Wars, love Lego, and are also, um, you know, star Wars novel enthusiasts, uh, Cobb Vant, shout out to Vance Armory, one of our buddies on Instagram, uh, Cobb Vant and another character, uh, from the aftermath trilogy. I don't think Cobb Vant is in Legos, uh, the Lego Star Wars game, but a uh, one character that was a really cool character that I don't imagine we're going to get a figure of him, but he's high on my list of random people I would love a figure of, but it's a battle droid. Um, imagine for those of you who are, are not into Star Wars novels, if you've watched the Mandalorian, how IG 11 is reprogrammed to nurse and protect Grogu. This is a B one battle droid. Um, that's been, completely reprogrammed by a young snap Wexley, uh, Timmond, I think his name is, uh, before he's called snap. Um, and he reprograms him basically to be his best friend and his protector. And he's basically got like the assassin's creed, like blade coming out of his wrist. And he's just a wild character, but he's a, uh, one of the cool things about video games is, you know, if we want a new, if, if we want Hasbro to make a new series for the vintage collection, it's this big campaign. They've got to make molds. They've got all this other stuff. And the cool thing about video games is there's still a lot of work that goes into it. But I feel like um, I feel like you don't have to sell so many of a download. You know what I mean? Like you can right, make some of these right. characters and you don't have to sell 50,000 of them to make mm-hmm. your money back. And so these there's tons of skins that you can go online and people are putting up like, hey, I just found this skin. And Mr. Bones is one of those. So if you're playing Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, shut your mouth. This guy is a custom Mr. Bones. <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to be doing the math to figure out how I can hire you to make me a Mr. Bones then. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, yeah uh, a crazy cool skin, a uh, very neat character. And uh Finn does amazing custom work for Star Wars figures in the three and three quarter inch scale. So um, it doesn't surprise me in the, in the slightest that you have that. Um, So yeah, I can't wait. If you ever, if you, uh, if you find uh, your, your way to get it, um, it'd be cool to, to talk through it because I've, uh, I've downloaded it, but working at the church during Easter season, it's like nonstop nose to the grind. Um, So I've played like an hour. Uh, maybe even less than that, but I'm, but I, I really enjoyed it when I was playing it. Um, so at the end of May is star Wars celebration. I know a lot of our friends are going to that. Um, I don't currently have tickets. I am waiting to hear back about, I did apply for a media badge for the podcast. 
Um, yeah. And I'm waiting to hear back if they approve that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping to hear back soon because I got to get, I got to ask for vacation days right, right. if I You're get like, it approved. Oh, but uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I emailed them and I was like, hey, guys. Yeah, I emailed them today. I was like, hey, I really need to know so I can ask my boss. Um, but Celebration's coming up. And one of the coolest parts about Celebration is not just the fandom and the friends and the conversation, but there's tons and tons of Star Wars news that comes out. And so there's some rumors for things that are going to be at Celebration. And so one of those uh, are trailers for Andor and the Bad Batch Season 2. What are your thoughts on that? Dude, I, I would say that that's a, a sure thing um, because Star Wars Celebration always delivers. And if they're not putting out trailers for new stuff, I mean, what are they What are they doing? I mean, um, right. I, Especially I with no like films like coming. Yeah, I think like, so too. And maybe, maybe they'll announce like another series. Like I know there's you know all kinds of stuff going on in animation and probably some future live action stuff that's being worked on. But but yeah, I think that it's probably a definite that we'll get uh, a trailer for Bad Batch and Andor since they're coming out this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bad Batch season two originally was rumored to have come out to be coming out in March, but they must have pushed it mm. back. Um, and I, I think that we'll get concrete release dates and a trailer for both of those. Yeah, I wonder, you know, um, and this kind of goes into the next little bit of news coming <laughs> from uh, Moff Gideon himself. Giancarlo Esposito <laughs> said oh, yeah. that he uh that we're basically going to be getting Mandalorian season three in the summer, which is wild. so that sounds crazy, right? Were you expecting the fall? I, the last I had heard is, you know, places like uh, star Wars Newsnet and things like that. And best in bulletin, a lot of places were pointing toward it coming out like in November or December. Like it would be just about right. two years to the day when this would be coming yeah, out. I thought, yeah, I agree. I thought that it would be, I thought it would be, if you asked me like when, you know, 2022 first, you know, came around the corner and we hadn't finished Book of Boba, I thought it would be Bad Batch in the spring, Obi-Wan at the end of May, which is what we're getting, mm -hmm. and then Andor like late summer and then Mandalorian in December. So it makes yeah. me wonder, do you think, I don't think that they would overlap live action shows. Do you think that they'll overlap um, the Bad Batch with Kenobi or Andor or Mando season three? Because uh, it's slated to come out this year, but you know I, what I mean? Like maybe yeah, maybe I right think, after Kenobi? I think that honestly, if if all of this is being clustered around in the summer, they would just about have to. I mean, I think that it's entirely possible that um, the Bad Batch could start somewhere in the middle of Kenobi. And that mm. um, it could bridge if there's something like 16 to 18 episodes like the previous season had, it could easily right. bridge over and then Andor would come out and it would, it would, you know, overlap or. Oh, interesting. Would out and it would overlap. But who knows? Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, Andor, do we know? I know that Obi-Wan is supposed to be 10 years after. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Do we know like how many years after Revenge of the Sith or how many years before Rogue One yes. Andor is supposed to be set? 
uh, Andor is set five years prior to the, the events of Rogue, Rogue One. One. So five years before New Hope, which means that so that five makes, years that after that Kenobi, basically, a really cool place to with like Rebels as well, because Rebels right. all that happened four years prior to A New Hope. So, you know, depending on how long this Andor show runs, we could definitely see some overlap. And honestly, what's really cool is if you think about the fact that Ahsoka series is currently, you know, filming and all that. Um, one year prior to the events of Rebels, Ahsoka would have still been like the head Fulcrum agent. And Cassian Andor right. was the Fulcrum agent. Uh, yeah, he may, be, he may be reporting to her. Yeah, so we could very honestly see ahsoka working with the larger rebellion in live action and it would not be out Mm. of place and it would not be forced it would make sense in the storyline it makes me wonder too like yeah it also makes me wonder you know obi-wan has to have some contact with bail organa because bail knows he's alive Mm -hmm. and that's why he sends the message in a new hope so it's like, I don't want it to feel forced, but it would be really cool to see, um, you know, I don't know if it's like seeing Obi-Wan talk to Ahsoka or seeing Ahsoka talking to Bail Organa and there's like a hologram of Obi-Wan. I, I don't expect that they would be face to face because yeah. having Ahsoka and Obi-Wan in one place would cause there would be like, you know their presences so close together, I think Vader would sense and it would be a big deal, but um, it does make me wonder, like, are they going to have almost like a middleman? Like, is there going to be some conversation that they're both a part of or something? It's just crazy. I never thought we would ever see like you, like we were saying, you have the Ahsoka from the Clone Wars movie that nobody liked. And then (laughs) throughout the Clone Wars, she becomes everyone's favorite. And then she's in live action, but it's five years after return of the Jedi. So Obi-Wan's dead. But it makes sense for her to be an Andor, and Andor is part of the Fulcrum web, which she's like Fulcrum One, mm-hmm. and they report to Mon Mothma or Bail Organa, who's talking to Obi Wan. Like this web that they're weaving, it like just barely, barely is holding on, but it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it'd think, be interesting to see what the overlap is. Yeah, I think, um, I think that we'll we'll definitely have that kind of tension. Where we think, mm-hmm. oh, 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 are they about to, you know, cross paths? Like, you know, yeah. Bale is, is the person who employed Ahsoka to and recruited her to the rebellion uh, via the Ahsoka novel, um, right? And, and but then he's also got this secret side thing with Obi Wan Kenobi, where they're both like, by the way, we secretly have Anakin's kids, you know, and and you know, right. Ahsoka is bound to know who Leia is. Does she does she realize mm. or feel at any point in time that something's different about that kid? I don't I don't know. Like I feel a presence I haven't felt since. You know, like right uh, or, right. Or I don't I don't think that they will ever actually have Ahsoka get concrete, you know, proof that Kenobi is alive. I don't think that they'll mm. ever have her like. Oh, hey, Bale, do you have to talk with him or anything? You're on the phone, you know, like kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't think Uh, so either. I think they'll just be I think there'll be a communication triangle, you know, like a love triangle, but not weird. Yeah, Uh, a communication triangle between people like 
Bail Organa, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and they just won't cross paths. Right. And that's got to be so heartbreaking for someone like Bail who he's out there in a sea of corrupt politicians and all he really wants is peace and to be with his friends again. Yeah. And the Empire's like, you know, he can make like a 30 second FaceTime call every couple of months to Ahsoka or Obi-Wan or some of his closest allies or friends. Yeah. But the people he's seeing on the daily are the people who are ruining his life. You know what I mean? Right. And also think about how hard it has to be for him not to just be like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Ahsoka, you know, that person that you love and care about so much. And you think of as like an older brother, you like Obi-Wan. Okay. He's actually alive. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what if Ahsoka's, what if, you know, (laughs) by the time we see her in rebels, especially she seems so like still still in still down to fight for what's right yeah but also so dejected and like i'm not a jedi like she still is so torn and hurt from what's happened in the clone wars it would be so hard to be in the know and be like i can't tell her yeah it could literally like it (sighs) the small tiny tiny bit of hope that we have in these two kids could be snuffed out if she knows the truth it's almost kind of like you know, not to go to a dark place, but like if Ahsoka or Obi-Wan are struggling with like depression and like, dude, you know, the like being in that dark of a place, like you're having some really dark thoughts and mm-hmm. Bale's the one that has maybe the little glimmer of hope that could bring them back from that edge. But ultimately, as dark as this is going to sound, the singular life of someone like Ahsoka, although it's precious, does not outweigh the lives of billions that could be saved or changed or made better through yeah. the glimmer of hope of Luke and Leia. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a very heavy mantle that Baylor oh, Kian yeah. is wearing. I don't think he gets enough and love. he has to live that impossible decision every single day. And I, and I he has to go to work with the freaking rest of the crappy Senate. Yeah. I think what will happen is um, we may get the satisfaction of Obi-Wan may find out from Bale that Ahsoka is alive. And maybe he asks Bale, How's Ahsoka doing? You know, things like that. But no one can mm. let Ahsoka know about the, right. the survival and existence of Kenobi or Yoda. Even though in Rebels, Yoda reveals himself to Ahsoka in the Lothal Temple. I right, think she plays right. it super cool. Yeah, I still, I man. Think that, I think by that point, maybe she thinks that there might be some other surviving Jedi out there yeah that she just yeah but she's so distant yeah but she's so distant it's like can she be part of that company that like it makes me wonder like can obi-wan i imagine obi-wan can he we know from a certain point of view and things like that that he's able to communicate with qui-gon is he able to communicate from across the galaxy to yoda through the force we don't really know but it's kind of sad because as much as Ahsoka has distanced herself from the force as a whole, because she's so hurt by the the things the Jedi have done, it makes it like the thing that she needs the most, which is relationships with those people around her to help her on. She's not disqualified herself, but she's like, she's cut herself off from the force in such a way that she's not cut off from the force, but you know what I mean? Like distanced herself from who she really is. You know what I mean? And it feels like the thing that, yeah, yeah. It's just, man, it's a really sad story when you really think about it. Um, But speaking of 
Bad Batch, Rebels, Clone Wars, things like that. The composer for Clone Wars and for Bad Batch, a guy named Kevin, uh, I don't know if it's Kiner or Kinner. It's K-I-N-E-R. Kiner? Okay. So he composes both of those shows, and he was in an interview recently, and this is our last little bit of news, but it's very exciting, and I have thoughts, and I want to hear your thoughts, (laughs) but the quote, he's in an interview, right? And he says, you know, we are working on a new project. It's an animated (laughs) project. It's a Star Wars project, and that's all we can say. It's really, really freaking great. To the point where Lucasfilm and Disney are giving us full orchestra for every episode. It's a very special project. Some great, great people are involved and we're really privileged to be part of that one. And I probably have said too much already. What the heck is he talking about, bro? Oh my gosh. Do you have, do you have theories? I do have a theory. Let's hear it. Do you remember uh, some of the leaked photos that were coming out? Like uh, it was probably late last year, early this year, of like some uh, uh, staff gift. The Lucasfilm Christmas the gift. Lucasfilm gift. gift. Christmas gift that had like all the titles of upcoming things, which is what kind of like low key confirmed that there's going to be another season of Visions um, that will likely mm-hmm, come mm-hmm. out this year. Um, but it also had uh, a title. Tales of the Jedi. And everyone's like, why is this like random old title on here? And then we went, right. Oh, why is it on here? Why is it on here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because, because the gift, part of the cool thing that the it, what's really cool is that Lucasfilm knocks <laughs> it out of the park every year with these Christmas gifts. Like anything I've ever seen, I'm like, wow, that's a freaking sick gift. Right. It seems like you're part of a specific group that's working on specific shows and the names of those shows are what's on the box. And it was, and I covered this in a video a while back um, when it first landed, but it was, uh, it looked like it was a vinyl record player. And this was what was on like the box that the record player came in. Um, But tales of the Jedi was on there. Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting was the rest of these are Disney plus shows. You have, um, you had like an Indiana Jones thing. We were like, holy crap, I forgot Indiana Jones is coming out yeah. with something. Um, and then you had shows like The Bad Batch. And underneath The Bad Batch, there's Tales of the Jedi. And Tales of the Jedi has probably, if you're into comics and you are like as much lore as I can know, you know, you know how that's I am, how I am. Oh, like, absolutely. I'm like, you know, when, when the Black Series Sergeant Creel was revealed. I was like, I need to brush up on this guy. I immediately go to Wikipedia and just copy and paste into my notes. Like, yeah. here's all the things Creel is in. I'm just going to read this. Um, Cause when I get a new, you know, action figure, a new collectible or whatever, it's worth so much more to be like, this is who this character is. He's not just a cool looking character oh, yeah. having that depth there, you know? And so um, that's why it was so cool when Kersantan showed up in book of Boba Fett, because we already knew who Kersantan was. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and so, uh, when it comes to Tales of the Jedi, this is where you're getting like the Naga Sadal, Exar Kun, like all these crazy, like we're talking thousands and thousands of years ago, Jedi and Sith. It's like where the struggle, light versus dark, originates. It's like the the fall, the first fallen dark Jedi, and all these other things. And so, what commands a more grandiose production? Than 
you know, these old stories that are some of the richest origins of the Jedi and the Sith and their conflict to, you know, to conquer the force or to be preservers of the force. So I agree, dude. I think that, I think that they are throwing the kitchen sink at this show. (laughs) And I think it's going to be, you know, with clone wars and with rebels, we warmed up to the grown up version of the story, right? You know, with clone wars, you have a lot of silliness at first. And then by season five, six, seven, people are getting decapitated. People are like, it's wild. Right. And then same thing up and cuts off like six Mandalorians heads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like the one where, um, from season five, uh, or maybe it's season six, the lawless where Sidious comes and like, uh, massacres the Mandalorians and then murders Maul's brother mm. and then Maul begs for mercy and he says there is no mercy and just like freaking electrocutes him just to the brink of death right. um, and then the same thing in Rebels you meet uh, you meet Ezra and he's this annoying street urchin that's trying to you know steal fruit because he's, he's hungry Aladdin. and he's an orphan and exactly he is space <laughs> Aladdin and then you've got Chopper and you've got um you know, Zeb who are arguing and, and nothing's really that serious. And then by the end of it, you could argue other than, other than the Mortis arc and maybe the episode where Yoda's talking to the, the voice of Qui-Gon other than those like three or four things, the last two and a half seasons of rebels has some of the richest star Wars lore that we've gotten in any show and far greater than we've gotten in any film. And I know that film is what adults go to the movies to go see an adult, you know, a grown up yeah. movie. But these cartoons, Rebels season, you know, two and a, from halfway through two and especially three and freaking blow your mind in season four. That's mm-hmm. the richest Star Wars lore we've ever gotten on screen. Oh, yeah. And nobody like, can tell me otherwise. The world between worlds, whether you love it or hate it, that happened and you went, whoa. This has changed yeah. the way even if you yeah even if you decided forever. yeah that's a great point because even if you decided afterward I don't really like that in the moment before you went to the internet and saw what everybody else was saying mm-hmm. you were like holy frick what is this right yeah so they're throwing all this money and all this composition and and full orchestra for every single episode I think we're about to get like. I don't know. I think that they're going to start off almost like the Bad Batch. Like you started off with Order 66 and we had no time. We had no time for waiting for anybody. You know, we're the rabbit from the beginning of Alice in Wonderland. And we're like, if you're going to come on, come on. Like there was no, you know, we were late for a very important date with Order 66. The very first episode of the Bad Batch. We're late to a murder. <laughs> but right, I feel like that's what. Child murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah Caleb Dune's just there and it's like what if we killed his mom like right there like the yeah. worst part of Bambi right at the beginning of the Bad Batch you immediately have one of the heroes hey did you kill that kid Hunter lied about yeah. the kid we don't like Hunter <laughs> Crosshair's yeah Crosshair's like I don't know if I can trust you you're not murdering the kids like we're supposed to <laughs> I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> you lie. I know you let that kid live. <laughs> you should have killed him like I told you to kill Hunter all those years ago. He's really getting on my nerves. That's right. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. But yeah. I, so I, think... I, I agree. I think it's I think it's Tales of the Jedi, and I think it's gonna start hot. 
We're going to start hot. I have a question for you, though. Which okay, go ahead. Be a hot topic. Do you think they're going to keep the same characters, or are we just we're going to make make up brand new characters that are? This is the brand new Disney character that's kind of like Exarcoon. This is the brand new mm-hmm. Disney character that's kind of like Keldromo. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I have a fear. And one of my fears is the show is called Tales of the Jedi and has nothing to do with that time period. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case because I'm sure it's going to be good. But I'm going to if it's like um, if it's an animated show. Yeah, if it's an animated show based on Ray and Finn after Rise of Skywalker, (laughs) I'm going to be sad. Not because I want that show, but I want that to be live action because I miss our queen and John Boyega. You know what okay. I mean? Like I, I want to see them again, and and they 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 could do great voice acting. Like we already know that, but I I want to see I want to see them do done justice for how much they loved Star Wars when they were first cast. Yeah, that's something we'll get into a little bit later. But um, I do think it's going to be Old Republic. How old? I'm not sure. Um, I think the timeline's wide open. You know, anything prior to, um, hey, and here's the other thing. I think if I had to guess, right, if you gave me $5 and you said you had to spend this on a bet, I think they're going to find a way to tie in either concepts or characters or something from the High Republic into this. Because we've also been hearing rumors of a show whether it's live action or animated, we're not sure, but centered around the High Republic. We just finished phase one with the Fallen Star, and they're going backward a few hundred years for phase two. Um, and so who knows if Tales of the Jedi will be around that time or if phase two begins and it's and it has nothing to do with it. And, ta- and Tales of the Jedi is, you know, two or three thousand, four thousand years before. Um, I hope they go way, way back. That's one of the cool things about the Tales of the Jedi comics was like, hey, these guys that you already know, Han Solo, Luke, all those guys, irrelevant. This is 5,000 years before. I love that. I would love to see like Mandalorians, but they're Tong warriors, like legitimate, like first Mandalorians. Um, I would love to see, you know, we've, we've never gotten, we've always heard and we've read in books about how powerful the Mandalorians were. There were three powerful factions in the galaxy, the Jedi, the Sith, the Mandalorians. Like, we've never seen the Mandalorians in that light. So it would be cool to see that. Um, I think that Disney is the master of capitalizing on characters that exist and making new characters for you to buy. So Disney wants to make money. That's what their goal is in life. They don't care if you like the story. Someone's going to pay for this. And so... um, I think that they may keep some characters, but there will also be characters that we've never heard of that are going to be probably the main characters. I because I, I don't know if they're going to keep a character like XR Kuhn as the main guy. Um, they may keep the same exact type of person and change the name just because um, I don't think anybody's like warming up to the idea of the guys named XR Kuhn. Like, I know it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like just right. the political climate we're in, like they don't want anything that can be taken the wrong way. They don't want anything, anything like that. So um, 
who knows? Like they've there's they haven't really spoken or anything like that. I do think it's interesting that they just released or talked about that trailer that came out for the old Republic with yeah. the new Malgus, all that stuff. Oh yeah. I would take my shirt off if Darth Malgus finally was on screen <laughs> for real, for real, and not just in a trailer because yeah, it's one of my favorite not Sith. Like a video game cutscene. Yeah, he would be fantastic. And if it's you know the timeline's open, you know Malgus was not three thousand years before, but the show doesn't have to be that time before. Mm-hmm. And Malgus, like everything, can be moved. So I'm also could we? It, it's possible with how. With how, especially in merchandising and in like the mobile games and stuff, uh, and even right. hints in the Rise of Skywalker visual dictionaries and stuff, I think that Darth they, Revan? they could easily bring Revan. Because they yeah. know, they I know think... that if they put if they put Revan in literally anything, everyone is going to lose their minds. Yeah, we'll buy it. I think it, you know what's interesting. Think about this. Revan, and I know maybe this is a far, maybe this is a reach, but Revan was supposed to have a remake and re-release of the Vintage Collection figure, and that has disappeared. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. What if it was, was like, it was hey, don't release that yet? It disappeared because people <laughs> complained that it wasn't up to modern TBC standards or, like, articulation-wise, or... Mm-hmm. People complained about it because that Revan figure, believe it or not, is actually based off of fan art from back in the day. It's not actually an accurate mm-hmm. representation of Revan at all. Um, right. Or uh, there's also a popular story going that's gone around that that is even kind of sort of supported by Hasbro that they actually just kind of forgot. Whoops, we forgot mm. about him. So we just took him out. Mm. And, I was, and I'm like, yeah. nah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's I. They say that, but they've released him like seven times for the Black Series at right. this point. Like you had the red box, then you had the re-release, um, in the light version. Works. Yeah, the gaming greats one for uh for Galaxy of Heroes for the phone. Yeah, and then he just he's been re-released again and then again in the archive wave. So they've had like three or four releases of Revan in the Black Series. There's no way that everyone at Hasbro, especially the Vintage Collection, forgot about uh, Revan. I can see a world where they haven't re-released him because they're working on a retooling because a figure is going to be coming out. Who knows? There's also times that Hasbro gets the short end of the stick on information because Disney is so tight-lipped. I, excuse me, Hasbro wants to make money on Star Wars. And I think that's something yeah. that a lot of people forget because we're frustrated with how much stuff we're getting or not getting. Hasbro wants to make money, and Star Wars is a huge license. Yeah. Um, but there's times where I know that um, I know that uh, they they would love. Like I know that, especially different people that we know on Instagram would maybe disagree or say that I'm a heretic for saying this Hasbro wants to have toys out when shows air, it makes so much sense for them, but they're not getting information on time. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that they want, they want to sell us a $30 the vintage collection, ultimate black series, <laughs> vintage collection, black or They want to do that. 
but I don't think they're they're not getting that information in time. So who knows? Like maybe they really did forget about Revan for the vintage collection. It's weird that within a company they can release it for the Black Series three or four times, and then not for the yeah. other scale, which which sells you know anything related to Jedi or Sith sells, and you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. For for the vintage collection. Oh yeah. So, anyways, we could go on forever about toys, but oh not everybody listening wants to hear about our collections. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's our news uh, for for this episode, and now we're going to get into the beef and the real oomph of the episode, which is a celebration of Daisy Ridley. So, um, this week, uh, April the tenth, I want to say it was two days ago. Classic. Classic uh, Island Ray, I think I want to say. Oh yes, that's Octo. my favorite one. Um, so this a uh, couple days ago was Daisy Ridley's birthday. She's recently back on social media, um, which is really cool. It's it's cool to see. Uh, I'm sure the break was fantastic for her, but it's cool to see her back on social media just because uh, she really is a fan favorite. And I think that there's so many voices out there that are so so loud that are negative. That I think there's so many people that love Ray Skywalker, um, and that's her name. I don't care what anybody says. That's the beauty of, like, to me, it's it's crazy. Uh, so the church I work at, we have a, we're a big part of what we do is we help work with um, foster and adoptive families. Yeah, and uh, and it's crazy. The guy, there's a guy I work with that he has five kids, and one of them is uh, is him and his wife had this baby. And then their other four kids are adopted. And uh, I remember growing up at being like the joke, you would tell someone as a joke, like you're adopted type of thing. <laughs> but yeah. it's crazy because the uh, it's, it's wild because when you really talk to people who have been adopted, of course there are, there are, there's the bad side of, of that type of situation as well. But a lot of people have a fantastic relationship with their adoptive parent. And this is someone who, whether they just felt like this is something that, they wanted to do, or they felt like God wanted them to be a part of or whatever people go out and they want to show love to children who maybe aren't receiving that from their birth parents, or maybe they never met their birth parents or they've been in an orphanage or whatever. And, uh, I've really come to appreciate like how much love goes into an effort and like blood, sweat and tears goes into adopting a child. Oh yeah. And, uh, so to me, it's so powerful that Ray is ultimately basically adopted into the Skywalker family. Um, and it's cool at, at the end of episode nine where Luke and Leia are like, yeah, go ahead and say it. Like you belong, you belong with us. So there's the haters out there that are going to hate anything that star Wars does. But yeah. when she said Ray Skywalker, I cheered and I think that there's a lot more people that cheered than booed and the booze just got put on YouTube because everybody that cheered was enjoying the movie too much to care. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? We the people, I, I wasn't like, here it comes. Yeah. I'm going to boo. Star Wars. We were enjoying ourselves. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about um, it. I mean, Star Wars, I, we may be jumping way ahead in our points here, but uh, Star Wars is all about found family. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Luke, Luke, his whole life, he, all he knows is his aunt and uncle. Uh, and then one day, you know, he's he's out hanging out with this with this, you know, desert, you know, magical hobo and crazy uh, old Maurice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
that only family, the only family he knew that he had that existed is killed. And then what, what did mm-hmm. you have? Space hobo and a couple of new droids he just bought, you know, and yeah. Um, and very quickly throughout the story, you know, these people, these friends that come into his life and, and his as of yet unknown sister, um, very quickly become a found family, you know? Right. Uh, right. And he clings to them and, you know, there's nothing that he wouldn't do. You know, what, what Han Solo's story, you know, he and Chewbacca, I mean, I don't know if you would equate them to just best friends or brothers or what have you. Um, right. But, you know, they, they are family, you know? Yeah. You literally have a character in Han who, you know, whether you like it or it was corny and solo, like he gets his last name because the guy at the terminal at the airport is making fun of the fact that he's he doesn't have any people. That he's alone. And then, yeah, he's like, I don't have people. And he's like, well, <laughs> Han Solo. Um, whenever that happened in the theater, I was like, what? I was like laughing. Um, but yeah, he finds like he's by himself. Um you know, for a while, he's got a father figure in Beckett, even though it turns out not to be what he thought. But he's got this guy in Chewie who's there literally like till death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you have you have characters in, you know, you have a character in Anakin who never had a father, never. There was no father. And he has a brothership with Obi-Wan and he has father figures in his life like Yoda he has, you know, ultimately what's so crazy is it would be kind of pointless to make a novel or something about this because they're just carefree within the cosmic force and they understand like all that's wrong now will be undone and everything will be made right. Like they have a piece about it because they're yeah. outside of the timeline that we live in where we're like worried about the moment. But it would be interesting. Maybe they could just do a short little comic about it or something. But I would love to see the moment where Qui-Gon and Anakin are reunited. Ooh. In the cosmic force, you know oh, what I mean. Man. Like Qui Gon was that father that was even even after death, kind of looking over him and stuff. So, um, but yeah, Qui-Gon, I think Qui-Gon I think that turns into that Captain America meme. So you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You made a big one now. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but you know what, Ray is. Uh, Man, she is one of the the heart and soul characters of the sequel trilogy. Me and you are both sequel apologists. You know, every we're everybody's going to have gripes about things that they love. Of course, there's things that we would change, but I really enjoyed the sequels. Um, I'm a huge Rise of Skywalker fan. I will go to my grave. I will fight you to the death for the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, you know, I know that there were mistakes made. I know that things were were changing and moving and shifting throughout those years from 15 to 19 when stuff was coming out, I don't care. Things were changing in the original trilogy. No Mm -hmm. one like no one Mark. And you know, when you look at the picture, there's a picture on the internet of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, when they find out during the filming of empire strikes back that their brother and sister and the look on their face is, but we made out like there's a, there's a, a More disdain for themselves that's like whoa what's going on <laughs> and uh so that's what's huh wait a minute not even once more than once and then yeah that's what's crazy 
<laughs> so Star Wars has always been an evolving, crazy circus. And uh, so I don't mind that, that the story changed and evolved. And um, I hope that for characters like Snoke, I hope that there are books and novels and shows that really flesh out that character and that storyline. He deserves more just because he was a, such a cool character. Yes. Um, and I talked about that in a recent episode, but um, getting back to celebrating the last Jedi, Ray Skywalker, man, I'm just making people mad tonight. Um, I'm a, I'm a last what Jedi were your first impressions? So. What were your first impressions when you first saw Ray, when the trailers are coming out, when you saw the force awakens in theaters? Um, did you think she'd be a main character? Did you think we were, you think Finn was the Jedi? What was going on? I, I thought she was going to be part of the main crew. You know, one of right. one of she was either going to be like the the Han, the Chewie, the Lando, the Leia. You know, she was going to be part of the main crew, but um, mm-hmm. she was she was marketed as a support character. You know, John Boyega's Finn was marketed as the Jedi, the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my thought was, okay, she'll be like, I I almost put her in like the kind of like the Rose Tico role. You know, she's part of the main crew. Oh, wow. She's a little bit more tech savvy. You know, she's a scavenger. She knows her way around. She'll be useful, reliable on a bind, but we're probably not going to go super deep down her story. And then it was very clear once the movie started, like not even 10 minutes into the movie, I was like, have a feeling. This is our main character. <laughs> I was in the same boat, dude. When when the trailer came out and Finn lights the lightsaber uh on the forest of Starkiller Base against Kylo, I was like, This is freaking sick. I am yeah. so down for this. Um so whenever you're watching the movie for the first time, right? So trailers are done, you're in the theater, the Force Awakens, trailer, you know, the the credits roll. Did you have a thought? This Ray is a relative of so and so, or did you think she's just a new character? Oh no, no! I immediately my as soon as that force vision happened, my my immediate thought was, "Oh my God, she's a Kenobi!" Oh my God, really? She's a Kenobi? Somehow she is. She has is it to be. is it because of you and McGregor's voice? Well, there was uh, multiple things that kind of led me to it. I was, uh, of course, you and McGregor's voice being in it, you know, and Alec Guinness. You know, the fact that both right. of them spoke out to her. And that was the first time someone like a Jedi had reached out to her. Not even Luke. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the first Jedi that reached out to her to encourage her. Wow. Ray, these are your first steps. The first one. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we know from uh, tertiary uh, materials like, you know, the comics and other series and especially the a certain point of view novels that it's not, you know, people don't just separate themselves from the cosmic force all willy nilly. It is an effort. You have to right. yeah, yeah. do it. So if she was just some ho-hum character that didn't mean anything, why is Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi ripping mm-hmm. himself away from the cosmic force to speak to her in a vision? Like, right. it seems kind of pointless. So she has to be mm. important. Um, the fact that the saber called out to her, a lot of people immediately, 
oh, she's got to be some kind of Skywalker. Maybe she's Luke's kid. I immediately was like, man, the the person in who had this lightsaber the longest out of anyone was Obi Wan Kenobi. Sat in his hut for oh, twenty wow. years. He he had yeah. that saber longer than Anakin had it. Anakin only had it for yeah. like three years. I never thought about that. Yeah, I never Luke thought about only that. Had it for three years, three three years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So Obi Wan Kenobi very interesting that saber longer than anyone else. Um, she had yeah, British accent. It's kind of like it's kind of like. Uh, when someone owns like a building and you're renting an apartment or you're renting a house, like they own it. But mm-hmm. when people come by, they're going to Finn's house. They're going to Josiah's house. Like, of yeah. course there's a mortgage company somewhere that owns the apartment we live in or owns the house that we're, there were, you know, even though we own it, we're paying somebody that they technically own the house until right. we pay it off, things like that. But when people come over to your house, they're going, hey, I'm going to Finn's house. I'm going to Josiah's house. Right. I never thought about that before, that he was in possession of that saber for so long. Yeah. And maybe that's a marketing thing, or maybe that's because the 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 saber you always see is attached to Anakin or, or Luke. Yeah. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. And then also, she's got a British accent, which... I was like, right. you know, it's a very surface level connection, but I was like, ha ha, it helps, you know? And then, yeah, it does. It does. Um, my last real big thing was that um, just from a, a storytelling standpoint, the deep cinematic poeticism of the original trilogy being all about a Ken- starting off with a Kenobi training a Skywalker the prequel trilogy right. being the same Kenobi teaching us like training a Skywalker to be a Jedi. And then it would be cool if the roles were reversed getting, for this one, having Luke Skywalker being able to yeah. train a Kenobi. Yeah. Ugh, it would have just been beautiful. That's really a point. And that makes it sound like, I, I don't think, like what happened, but I love the sequels. I'll make that. I think, um, when, so when I was watching The Force Awakens, I was like, I don't know who this chick is. I knew that she had been abandoned there. So I was like, is – and we don't know where Luke is. We don't know really what the First Order is. I'm like, is Luke dropping her off to to keep her safe? You know, like almost like an like almost like a Luke on Tatooine with, with Uncle Owen kind of thing. And I was thinking, but in the care of Uncar Plutt, like in the vision, she's being left with Uncar Plutt. He's a total sack of crap. Luke wouldn't do that. And, uh, and I heard the Kenobi voice, I'm watching the movie, um, and I'm watching the movie as well. So I'm like, I can't just sit here and analyze. I have these thoughts, but I'm trying to pay attention. It's my first time watching this movie. I'm loving it. I'm loving Kylo Ren. I'm loving seeing Han Solo talk crap to Finn. I'm I'm loving Chewbacca. I'm just watching all these things. Um, and then the fight scene in the forest happens. And she does a gouging move. And I looked at Samuel and I said, she's a Palpatine. 2015 December we're in the theater we both called it I was like, did you see that and he goes that's a sh- that's a sheave move and I said that she's a Palpatine 100% and so um, they went the no one route for the first two movies and then when Sidious says I've waited for my granddaughter I was like yes I felt so vindicated because and what's so crazy is according to Kathleen Kennedy that was the plan the whole time right but according to Daisy Ridley, she said they were thinking the Kenobi route and JJ came to her during the filming of Rise of Skywalker. And to quote her, she says Palpatine's granddaddy. And uh, 
so it's interesting. It's just it's funny because it it was like a crappy prophecy that came true. That right, but nobody else in the whole in the whole saga does a gouging move like Palpatine does in Episode Three until you see Ray in Episode Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought, yeah, they must have. I must have just put that energy out there, and they were like, caught it in the air. Oh, what's this? Yeah. I would um, feel vindicated though, knowing that Daisy Ridley talked about. You were also right. Yeah. When when uh, filming of the the Force Awakens was over, JJ pulled her aside and said, "Hey, I just wanted to fill you in on this is who you are. This is your character story. This is where it's going." And he told her all of it, and she said yeah. she cried. It was beautiful, and she said it that she was supposed to be a Kenobi. And then she was saying, right. She even said in an interview, "Oh yeah, I know who Ray's parents are, or I know who Ray is. It seems pretty obvious mm. from the movie." And I'm over here going, "Yeah, I know yeah. it. She's a freaking Kenobi. I know." And I'm so glad to know that I was right. I was totally right. You were. They changed it before they changed it. Yeah, it's I funny because totally like right. you, you were right longer than I was right. And then I was right by accident permanently. <laughs> you were right by accident. It's like but yours counts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, but her role throughout the trilogy really starts to change. Cause her it's, it's like she's co-stars with Finn in the first movie. And Poe is like the Lando character. And then, her and Finn, I think if I could change anything about the sequel trilogy, there are things that happened in The Last Jedi that I think took us away from the path that J.J. was trying to set us on. Um, I just, I wish that the, I wish, here's my, my problem with the sequels, if I have one, is it seems the story is like inconsistent. Because yeah. it was written by JJ, then written by Ryan, then written by JJ. And I'm worried because I think Ryan Johnson really gets and loves Star Wars. I think that they're nervous to really give him the trilogy they were thinking about giving him because of the backlash of The Last Jedi. Yeah. But my thing is, he's the biggest Star Wars fan that's ever written a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Like George Lucas isn't a Star Wars fan. He's a writer and he had a story he wanted to tell. As far as Star Wars fans, he's the biggest Star Wars fan. JJ yes. Abrams is not a bigger Star Wars fan than Ryan Johnson. And he did what all of us do on Instagram and he took his toys and he made a story. And the thing is the story that he wrote is just a different style than other people. Right. There's accounts all over Instagram that it's like, Oh, what if, what if, Padme and and uh, Obi Wan were being intimate, or what if what if it was Ahsoka and Anakin? It's like they have these toys kissing. That's not my cup of tea, but that's their that's the story they want to tell with their photography. So Ryan Johnson told a story that wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I think that we negate the fact that he's a great storyteller, and I think he would do great Star Wars if he wasn't trying to be the middle of two J.J. Abrams bookends right. because they're so different in their styles. It's, and I think yeah. the number one thing I would change would I would want Finn and Ray to stick together throughout the trilogy. And I would, although I am a Raylo fan, it would have been cool to see Finn and Ray's um, relationship progress. It just feels weird that it feels like they're really flirty the first episode and then they go two different ways. In uh, episode eight, there's some romantic tension between Ray and Kylo because they they're now we know obviously they're a 
they're uh they're a dyad in the force um then you have finn who's being hit on by rose he's not returning the feelings she kisses him and he's like stop you know (laughs) and then uh and then you have finn do his complete own thing focused on his friendship with poe in episode nine i wish their relationship would have just been something that grew stronger and stronger throughout the movies yeah no i totally agree i um I definitely think that Ryan Johnson is an amazing storyteller. And, 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 you know, like there's, there's a reason why the last Jedi is my favorite sequel trilogy film. And it's honestly, it's, is yeah, it really it's probably in the top three favorite star Wars films ever. I, I love the last. Jedi. Wow. I, I think that they should have just let, they should have just picked and said, okay, Either JJ, you're going to do all three of these movies, so it's a cohesive story, or Ryan, you're right. going to do all three of these stories. Like you're going to do all three of these movies because so it's a cohesive story. Or co-write. Or yeah, just put them in right. a team, work together, so that they're both on the same page through the whole thing. Yeah, because when you look at the original trilogy, George writes all three, but there are three different directors, yeah. and then he writes and directs the prequels. And that's why those stories feel like they yeah. fit a little bit more. Andy I think also that Kasdan for a lot, a large percentage. Right. I think. Right, and I think that the Mandoverse. You have all these different directors for all these episodes, but they're all coming together under the umbrella. It's very similar to the High Dave. Republic. Very similar. Yeah, you have John and Dave who are their writing, and then their story goes to these directors, and you get the different feel of the director, but the story is congruent. Right. You know what I mean? Um, with with the uh, w- with um, the High Republic, these authors go on a retreat, like Claudia Gray and Daniel Jose Older and Kevin Scott and Justina Ireland and and uh, and all these people. I'm man, I'm forgetting like somebody super important. I'm forgetting. Uh, oh my god. Russell. Yeah, God, I'm so sorry, Charles. Charles Soule, who's like arguably the greatest Star Wars comic writer ever. Um, these guys all go on a retreat together to Galaxy's Edge or the Halcyon Cruiser or whatever. And they ask questions like for the trailer for the High Republic when it first came out. What are the Jedi the most afraid of? Immediately, we're like the Sith, duh, the dark side, duh. No, they're scared of losing their connection to the Force. They're scared of being in a world where everybody's looking to them for help and they have nothing to offer. And that's the predicament they've been put in. Um, so and they've done an amazing job of you tell this kind of story. You tell this kind of story. You tell this kind of story. Here's 12 characters and one beautiful rock that are going to span the, the whole rock. story. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that J.J. Abrams – does an awesome I still need to buy a Geo, dude. I still need to get one. <laughs> I'm saying this is um, my Geo action figure. Dude, I, I need to go to the freaking pet store and just get like a terrarium just rock. Get, just get a rock. And take pictures with it. Um but I think dude JJ's movies are fun. Yeah. I think that Ryan's movie there's there's things I would change and it's because he's a fan. He's writing a story that he likes and it's there's parts of it that aren't a story that I enjoy as much but the highs it's the same thing with rebels right the highs of the last jedi 
are some of the peak moments of the sequel trilogy. The Kylo Ren that you get in episode eight is an unmatched character in the, most of the Star Wars movies. And part of that's Ryan. Yeah. You just have to admit it, you know? I, I think that episode um, eight Kylo Ren is probably the best Kylo Ren we get. I think that because of the the rapid pace of episode nine, even though that's where his story ends, I think that it almost takes right. away from his character. We, I felt like in episode eight, we really got mm. to sit with his character yeah. uh, a lot more. Yeah, I think that J.J. was like, okay, what are the things the fans didn't like? Let's undo some of that. And I will admit, I cheered in episode nine where Luke Skywalker steps out of the fire with the lightsaber and says, the weapon of a Jedi deserves more respect. I cheered because I agreed. I thought I did not agree with Luke throwing the saber over his shoulder. That's not Luke Skywalker to me. But I think that I do think that the pace was so fast to get the story to where it needed to go and to please the fans and to there's all these ideas that JJ had that were kind of left on the table. Yeah. You know, the Knights of Ren didn't have to be in episode nine, but he wanted them in episode nine. And I was glad they're in episode nine. But that's five minutes that you have to shoehorn in there. Yeah. I think The Rise of Skywalker should have been like a three and a half hour movie. I would watch it, you know. And you, I, I would have like seen the it. Lord of the Rings is the I was I was on board. You know, like I will I will watch it. I was on board. Yeah, I mean like Yeah. I, I still think that they should have like I wish that they would I and the thing is Disney's very like their cards are close to their chest and they're gonna use what they're gonna use and they're gonna burn something in like a crazy, you know book of daniel style furnace like you know if it doesn't work no one's ever going to see it i wish that we were going to eventually get that four hour cut of the rise of skywalker you know yeah. what i mean just let me sit put it on disney plus i'll sit down and i'll watch it but there was so much more that could have slowed the pace a bit where you could enjoy what you were seeing because it felt like it was going in the when you first see it it's really great i will say this having watched all three of those multiple times a slower movie never gets faster when you watch it with time. You know what I mean? The, the big issue of the last Jedi where they're running out of gas. I'll never be like, this is a great plot point. Like I'll, I'll always be like, can we have a different issue? I will say watching the rise of Skywalker. Once you've watched it three or four, five, six times, it slows down for you and it's more enjoyable. So there's pros and cons to both. But, um, do you think, Getting back to Daisy Ridley and Ray's character, do you think that the sequel trilogy, having so many main characters, do you think that Ray got as much love as she could have, should have? Do you feel like at the end of the sequel trilogy that Ray's character got the love that that character deserves? I I think that Ray's character got um, got a lot of attention and a lot of um, a lot of love and everything. Uh, almost to the detriment of other characters in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think I think the number one person that I want more from was definitely John Boyega's Yes, fan. and so that's why I agree that they should have been their their stories should have been linked paired together in, in their journey to become Jedi, um, and it, it would mm-hmm. just flesh their characters out. At the same time, both at like very well, but. Ray's character, uh, we spent a, a lot of time with Ray, 
I I love mm-hmm. the lore about her getting to go and find Luke at the first Jedi Temple. Um, I love uh, how, from a certain point of, of view, people see her training as a very uh, reductionist way of becoming a Jedi. Oh, she did like three days of training and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, I mean, how long was Luke on Dagobah? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Three, four days a week. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then, but he's the also, most powerful Jedi ever, you know? Right. I think it's, um, I think that people, they call her Mary Sue and all these things. Here's the problem. She's, she's really not Palpatine's granddaughter. She's like Palpatine's daughter yeah. because Palpatine's clone was her father. Yeah. So it's like, she's really like the Boba Fett of Palpatine's. So Anakin won the freaking Boonty Eve classic with zero training and then went to the Jedi temple and Mace Windu was like, what the frick is this? Okay, let's do a test with the iPad. And then (laughs) Anakin knows all the things that are on. Like Anakin was doing things that were like far beyond what he should have been able to do walking into the Jedi temple. And I don't know if it's a, um, we're mad because George isn't in charge of Dis- in, in, in Star Wars anymore. I don't know if it's a, it's harder to get behind a female lead character yeah. for some people. I don't know what it is, but I think like you can't really use a Mary Sue when she's Palpatine's blood and she's being trained by Luke Skywalker, who is probably the person complaining's favorite Jedi. You right. know what I mean? Like once, once Luke opens up and reconnects to the force, you don't think that he's going to be because Luke's my favorite Jedi and Luke from legends is one of the greatest teachers in the history of the galaxy. He's going to be able to impart some freaking wisdom and no like Daisy's personality and Ray's personality is so open. And so like Luke learned and grew so much and his personality is rigid. His personality is a complainer. His personality is like he grows out of it. But Luke from A New Hope and the beginning of Empire is not a very good student, not a very good pupil. Like Obi-Wan from Beyond the Grave has to be like, I died. You're going to teach the boy. You understand me, you little green noob? <laughs> like, you know, like he has to talk Yoda into it. And you have Ray, who is a way more willing student, a way more yeah. ab- uh, uh, absorbent student. Mm-hmm. So I think that her power makes sense. I think that they there could have been a better job with the choreography portraying the power that she has. I think in the last Jedi or not in the last Jedi, the rise of Skywalker, pardon me. Some of the fight scenes where she's just like swinging and the saber so heavy, like the choreography of that undoes some of the training that I try to back up Ray. (laughs) I think that the choreography could have been better. You know, if she shows up and she's fighting Kylo and it looks like Duel of the Fates, then it shows that she's done her work. And I can't tell if it's because she's too emotionally invested in Ben. Um, but I don't know. The choreography, I think, was the was a weak spot for her fighting skill. Um, the fight from and I know that there's people who are like, I was I grew up in a, you know, a Shaolin monk temple and my dad was, you know, the greatest swordsman of all time. And I can find flaws in the dual scene from the last Jedi. I don't care. 
I think that's one of the greatest action scenes from Star Wars. I wish we would have gotten more of that Ray in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But I think as a whole, the treatment of her character was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that uh, um, played it off very well in The Force Awakens, kind of bringing her out of left field. And like, surprise, you know, she's oh, yeah. a Jedi. Um, that, was, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that was very exciting to see in theaters. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like, of course, I, agree. I look back at it now, and I, knowing how John Boyega's uh, story plays out, I see that he was quite literally cast aside in the movie in the forest and on Starkiller Base. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that she could be the lead character. Um, and, yeah. But I at think the that time, you know, it makes theater, me sad because John was so cool going into the, the film, like going into yeah. The Force Awakens. John was my favorite actor. Yeah. Like I didn't really watch anything. Adam driver doesn't have a very, he's really cool, but he doesn't have a in your face dynamic personality. Right. He's just to himself. And that's cool. I think he's, I think he's awesome. I just think he doesn't have like a, uh, it was John's first big feature film. Yeah. So he's like, where's all the cameras I'm going to be in this. And so his character, man, I think John deserves more. I think he has an amazing personality. I think he's yeah. an amazing actor. And I think if they did, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, I want to see more from Finn's character, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, okay, two more things and then we'll uh you know, we'll we'll wrap this thing up because we got so excited about Tales of the Jedi we're we're <laughs> beyond our normal time. But, no worries. Um, but yeah. what are your thoughts on uh the the burial of the Skywalker twins lightsabers on Tatooine? What are your thoughts on her new saber? Um, what did you think about that sequence? There was a lot of people that didn't like the fact that she buries these two, le- you know, legacy sabers. Um, why is she on Tatooine? What do you think about those things? Um, man, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, as soon as I saw her, um, that she was burying the sabers, the first just like knee jerk reaction thought that popped in my head was, "Hey, but you could give those to somebody." But. <laughs> Like, where's Finn's like? That's funny. He needs one. You want to know what my first thought? My first thought was Anakin going, what the frick? My first thought was Anakin's going to be pissed. (laughs) Yeah. You're clogging up his saber with sand. That's my my first thought was, I guess because I'm like (laughs) such a joke around guy. My first thought was like, oh man, I can't wait to see the memes of Anakin's force ghost like just destroying his force apartment somewhere because his lightsaber's buried in sand. Yeah, Anakin's force ghost. Um, oh, so we got jokes, huh? Huh? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk about mamas. Oh, you want to talk about mamas. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I, but really. I think it was... It looked beautiful, yes. but I do agree, like, shouldn't those be in a case somewhere? Right, right. I I mean, I... But I think also it's... It's symbolic of, like, the new era. You know what I mean? It's like, that's like... I get that that's kind of like the only real funeral she was able to give both of her masters. That's the only real way that she was able to get get that closure. So I get that emotional beat. Right. Um, uh, But, yeah, that was my first knee-jerk reaction. But uh, all in all, I do think that it was beautiful. Like, I think... That was for the purpose of what it was supposed to mean for us as the audience. That was us saying goodbye to Luke and Leia. 
like a, a, a final yeah. goodbye. Yeah. And um, so I thought that that was beautiful. Um, I, a lot of people, I remember their, their questions were like, wait, does, so does she like, did she, did she just like straight steal BB-8 from Poe? And does she just live on Tatooine now? <laughs> Is this like her, her house yeah. now? And I'm like, no, no, no. I think that she just went, she took BB-8, one of, like the first mm. friend that she made in this new journey that she was on uh, that led mm-hmm. her to this wider world, this wider galaxy that she knows now. Um, and she took him with her to go visit basically a holy site in, in that, that mm-hmm. was the original, the, the, where we met the Skywalkers. Uh, and that yeah, was just her yeah. paying her respects and giving her honors. And who knows, maybe she'll fix up the house and, and that'll be a place that she can go to. Maybe she'll use it as a Jedi temple or what, or what have you. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I can't remember where I read this or if I'm making this up or if I heard it somewhere. I want to say I remember reading somewhere that Tatooine has a certain like connection to the force. Um, and I don't know if it's because that's where like the virgins happened, where Anakin was created or what happened. I seem to remember reading like people defending like it makes sense yes it's tattooing yes we've been there a thousand times but it makes sense for her to go back to where the skywalkers began and that's where the new jedi temple will be built and i I can't remember where i was hearing that it might have been like a reference book to like why tattooing is important to the galaxy or something but i remember either reading it or hearing it in another podcast or on a video or something where they were talking about the fact that um almost like tattooing at one point was similar to like Jetta where like, it was very important to the galaxy. It was very important to the force. And, um, but it would be cool to see her. Um, it would be really cool to see, um, what's next for her. And I guess that's where we'll, that's the last question we'll have and we'll wrap this up. But, um, what do you think happens next for Ray Skywalker? And, um, what do you think is the logical thing? And also what do you, what do you, what would you want to see or read from Ray after this? Do you think we're going to get more content with Daisy Ridley on screen? Um, or do you think that they're going to leave that alone for a bit and then we'll come back to it later? What are your thoughts? I I think it, the way it works in my mind, I think both the logical next step and also just what I want to see is I want to see her, you know, do almost what, you know, Yoda calls out Luke for not doing, you know, pass on what you have learned. You know, I think she sees the merit Mm. in, we need to have more Jedi. Um, and, And so I think that it makes sense with where characters were left off that she will now try to help train Finn, but they're in a weird, unique dynamic because she's not necessarily a Jedi master. Who knows? She may not even be a Jedi knight. You know, she's, Hmm. she's just, you know, Jedi affiliated and she's the only one left. So, um, her being the one that has the, the, you know, monopoly on knowledge at this point, She's got to share it with someone. And I think that it makes sense for her and Finn to kind of go on that journey. Because Finn, 
even though he's now the new one of the new generals of the resistance, leaders of the resistance, I feel right. that his loyalty to Ray and his the, the positioning of his heart, like at the end of Rise of Skywalker, what like this whole movie, he's trying to tell Ray about the Force, and he's he's almost like Jedi yeah. evangelizing to to the other you know, defected stormtroopers and stuff. He's constantly talking about hmm. force this, the force brought me together. I feel Ray's presence. Like he, he's hungry to, to learn more. Yeah. He wants to I get think that he, on that. so I think it just makes sense. Yeah. I think that even though she's the Palpatine slash Skywalker, Palpatine by blood, Skywalker by, by adoption, I think that Finn seems to have an extremely strong, natural connection to the force. Yeah. Um, and I think it is the natural thing to let them take that story to the next chapter. And I think that, you know, maybe it's just all happenstance, but I think that we're talking about the tales of the Jedi and we're talking about the high Republic. And I think it's setting us up. If there is a future show to look at what a prime Jedi looks like, you know, it really stinks because the most Jedi we've gotten on screen is the prequels. And really that's like at their downfall, like that's they're they're like right as the, you know, you're driving and you forgot you didn't put gas in your car and it's been, the light's been on for a while and it goes like, that's where the Jedi are in the prequels and they have no idea. And that's actually what our next episode of the podcast is going to be about is the, how they got to that, that narrow dogmatic view uh, that ends up being their downfall. Yes. Um, but I think ultimately I would love to see what's next for the Jedi and is what next for the Jedi look completely different in a sense that she now has this influence of all the Jedi around her when she's facing Palpatine and maybe they can reach out from the cosmic force and you have the balance of the Qui-Gon's and the Mace Windu's and the Ahsoka's and the Anakin's yeah. and the, you know, all these characters, are they going to help her find this balance? And, um, you know, if Qui-Gon is the first force ghost, I wonder if because time doesn't exist on a linear plane, can they talk to the skiers and the Stellan Geoses and the Elzar Mans and the Avar Chrises from the prime time and teach them through the knowledge of the wills, how to become, uh, these force apparitions and things like that. But, I don't know. I would love to see a new Jedi Order built that is, it's not Grey's, but it's balanced. Right. Because the Jedi in the prequels thought they had balance, but they were completely unbalanced. Yes. And what does the perfect Jedi look like? And I think Luke, before the fall of Kylo, probably was close. Yeah. Like the way that he loves and the way that, but you still see in the book of Boba Fett when he's making Grogu choose he's still holding on to some of those things that the Jedi from the prequels couldn't let go of that ended up costing them in the end, you know, but, um, man, we, uh, we gotta, we gotta shut it down because I think we've been going for a good long while, but, uh, closing, closing thoughts. You had something you were going to say. Yeah. I was just saying, I think that, uh, you know, having the, the force ghost as a, uh, a wealth of knowledge to them is going to be invaluable. Uh, I think that Ray will um, take on Finn and the two of them will, can, will go on yeah. this journey to try and learn about the force together. Neither of them being the master, neither of them being the student necessarily. 
The, yes. I was going to say part of the balance is relational yes. balance. Like Obi-Wan, for as much as we all love him, was so hard on Anakin. And then the relationship with Palpatine had already been grown in the dark. Yeah. And so by the time that they were brothers in Revenge of the Sith, the seeds were, of darkness were already planted. I think having the relationship like Anakin and Obi-Wan have in Revenge of the Sith, where it's we're, we're brother and sister right next to each other and we're going to go figure this thing out yes. together is the perfect foundation for what's next for the okay. force. So, man, it's been awesome. Hey, if you guys uh, enjoyed this, uh, this podcast, of course, you know the rules. Please like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, follow Finn at Finn Dormoon on Instagram. He does a lot of really cool toy photography and does customs and stuff. And uh, we will uh, see you guys next time. We're going to leave you with a very new excerpt, a little clip uh, that Darth Maul himself, Ray Park, made for the podcast. Uh, so we will see you next time. Hope you All enjoy right. it. Hey, this is Ray Park, and you're listening to Chiz Ascendancy Podcast. Check it out. Sith rule, beware. Fear is my ally.